Hello everyone, my name is Tim Spiegelberg. I'm the pastor here at Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in sunny Firestone, Colorado. And I'm overjoyed that you're joining us this weekend for worship. Uh, just a few announcements then for things that are happening going in and on and in and around, CVL, something like that. Uh, let's see, three opening announcements. First is in your bulletin and online, you're gonna find uh, our yearly snapshot, kind of our year-end review, and, and uh, you'll see some of the more pertinent numbers from uh, the effects of our ministry this past year. Uh, but through it all, um, um, obviously ups and downs in a year where there's a pandemic, uh, but we are incredibly thankful for you supporting us this past year uh, and boldly ask your, your support in the coming year. So thank you for your generosity uh, and for all the impact that we've been able to make in our area of Carbon Valley. Uh, second thing is tax receipts are on their way out. So they are in person at worship uh, and in uh, another week or so, we're gonna be dropping them in the mail. So uh, if you haven't gotten one yet, you're all right still, they're still coming. Last thing is today is gonna be the start of a little mini series. It's a little three-parter. And that is a change from what I announced last week and what is in our bulletin or was in our bulletin. Uh, we were going to be starting a sermon series called Meaning Filled on the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, but due to, I'll give you a, a multiple choice on how this happened. Uh, I tore my ACL and it was either by skydiving, surfing, or walking in my front door. I'm just going to leave it at that. You choose which one you think it happened. Uh, long story short, on Tuesday, I'm going to be getting my ACL uh, surgery on my ACL. So I'm going to need to be out for at least a week. And so Pastor Jason Teal from over in Boulder, a good friend, friend of ours and of mine, uh, is gonna step in and, and do a real wonderful job. So you're gonna see that small change over the next couple weeks. So with that, let's begin the worship of our Lord then this weekend. You're gonna find everything you need in your service folder. You'll find that at the very same link that you're finding this video. So you should have all that you need to be able to worship at home. As always, it's a little, it's a simplified version of our in-person worship. So um, if you think it's slimmed down, you're right. Uh, it's meant for in-home use, and uh, but I think it'll guide you through the study of God's word for us today. Uh, our theme is going to be simply uh, follow me, the path is clear. So follow me, the path is clear. We're going to walk at, uh, with Jesus as he chooses some of his early disciples. So let's jump into our lesson then and our, our worship then this weekend. We'll begin with our invocation and confession. Um, and you'll find that on your screen or in your service folder. We make our beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we join our voices in praise to God, let us do so as believers throughout Scripture have done. Let us, uh, let us approach God with a clean conscience. We know that throughout this week, we have not always acted as God would want us to. So in order to walk to the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart, let's join in the words of Psalm 51. And you're welcome to speak these along with me at home, with your families, or whomever you're with. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. For I confess to you my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Take a few moments of silence for personal repentance. Here's the good news. You are fully and completely forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice for your sins. Guilt and shame are no more because of Christ. 
Rest in God's grace. Go in peace. You are a child of God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, lead us, not to be, lead us to be not only near you, but to follow you. Being discipled by you means we look to your word for our living. Help us see the path has been cleared, not on our account or our efforts, but by you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. At this time, we'll continue with our children's lessons. So if you've got little ones at home, toddlers running around, this is a perfect time to gather them together, herd them together uh, to listen to God's word. Hi, kids. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I'm happy that you're here, that you're tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus and following him. Jesus chose men called disciples to be his followers. But did he know, do you know that he chose you as well? So we call ourselves Christians, which means we're followers of Jesus. But we want to talk a little bit about what does that mean? I brought along for you a plain piece of paper. Looks kind of unspectacular. On one side, I put a cross kind of representing Jesus. And sometimes I think Jesus maybe looks just like a plain piece of paper to a lot of people, even maybe sometimes to us, right? Um, how can just a plain piece of paper make such a big difference in people's lives? What does Jesus mean for us as humans, right? Well, so I've got a little trick, a little project. You're going to be able to do this at home. You can try it. I'm going to try to demonstrate it without messing it up. Um, but we're going to talk about Jesus calls us from just an ordinary life to something extraordinary. Um, Jesus connects us to other believers and to himself and ultimately wraps his arms around us. So that's what this piece of paper is going to demonstrate for us. So I'm just going to fold it in half like that. And then I've got a scissors here and I'm going to make a series of cuts for on this piece of paper. I'm going to cut it like that and then I'm going to flip it over and I'm going to cut it like that. And we're going to keep going all the way down, making slices up. And this is maybe a good illustration for how sometimes following Jesus feels. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes being a Christian isn't easy. Sometimes the things God tells us in the Bible aren't easy. And we maybe feel like they cut us a little bit. But ultimately, Jesus is doing that for our good. So we've done all those cuts. Now I'm going to lay this down right here and open it up and make a few last cuts and you're going to get to see what happens. Let's see. Cut that one. And cut that one. And we're going to cut that one. Here's the amazing thing that Jesus does. See, he takes something that's ordinary and he makes it much bigger. Look at that. It's a big circle. In fact, if I had made enough small cuts, I bet you we could walk right through it. But that's what Jesus does for us. He opens up heaven because of what he's done for us so we can go through. And he connects us to other believers. So when we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, the first thing is, is we follow Jesus to heaven. The second thing is, is he connects us 
to other believers, other people that call themselves Christians. That's the good news that we hear in our text today. Jesus says to a man named Philip, he says to Philip, follow me. Jesus says the same thing to us, and we can follow him because we know that he has walked that path before us and is going to keep us safe. So let's say a short prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for um, coming to find us. And now we ask that you help us follow you. And sometimes it's scary and sometimes we don't know the path, but we know that you've walked it before us and you're going to be at our side. So be with us, Jesus. We give you thanks for everything. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming, kids. Now we turn our attention to God's word for today, and our opening selection is taken from the book of Samuel. Uh, we're going to read chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and this is uh, the calling of Samuel to follow God. So read from 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark was. The, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of our Lord. Our gospel text for this weekend is taken from John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 43 through 51. Uh, and this will be the sermon for our, our, the basis for our sermon this weekend as well. So read from John chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Well, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite whom, in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you, and I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of our Lord. We begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful weekend. 
Uh, thank you for joining us today. Our theme today is going to be simply uh, follow me, the path is clear. And we're going to kind of kind of walk through what that means for us uh, in our lives as disciples of Christ. Uh, as many of you know, I grew up on the western slope of Colorado in Grand Junction specifically. And uh, there was lots and lots of stories that kind of come from that western slope. But one that made a greater impact on me as a, as a young man uh, happened near Ridgeway, Colorado. So if any of you have ever been to Ridgeway, Colorado, um, it's remarkably beautiful. Like just an incredible place to go. Well, one day uh, my dad took myself and my younger brother Marcus uh, to Ridgeway and we were going to kind of spend a day just together. Uh, we did some fly fishing, which was, was absolutely amazing, caught some trout, um, spent our time up in the mountains. We were in my dad's pickup and so uh, kind of all, all these things kind of wrapped around itself to, to be a, a pretty magical trip uh, to, to Ridgeway. Um, but it all got capped off by an incident that took place near the end of that trip. Uh, we were winding our way down a, a kind of a two-lane road out of the mountains. And as you know, in Colorado, they're all switchbacks back and forth. And there's very little room on either side. In fact, I remember lots of times my dad um, trying to scare us, driving very close to the edge. Um, and all you can see are just, just drop-off cliffs below you, right? So it, it's at the same time incredibly thrilling uh, and exciting, but sometimes actually a little bit scary as well. Uh, so that, that time we were making our way out of those mountains, down those switchbacks, and we're on this two-lane road. Uh, we come around the corner, and I can still picture it in my mind. We come around the corner in our pickup, um, and all of a sudden, the entire road is just covered in sheep. I mean, like from side to side, like there's literally no room. Like we're not talking there's, there's, there's uh, room on the sides where, I mean, they were just, it was packed with sheep, side to side, and actually as far as I could see. I couldn't even see where the front of the, the flock of that, those sheep were. And so we pull up and there's just sheep, you know, kind of milling around, looking at us, looking at the pickup. Um, and, and my brother and I asked my dad, we said, well, what are we going to do? Like, there's just sheep all over the road. Like we hadn't encountered this before. We didn't grow up on a ranch. We didn't grow up with kind of seeing these things. Um, and my dad said, who had, who had seen something like this before, said, well, just, just wait. I think they're going to take care of us. So sure enough, slowly but surely, uh, we saw a shepherd, also a cowboy, come uh, walking back, not walking, riding a horse through the sheep back to us in front of the truck. And, and he goes to my dad's side of the pickup and he says hi and he's in his cowboy gear and, and uh, he said, no problem, just follow me. That was it. I mean, he was a man of very few words. Well, he's probably working, right? He's probably tired, end of the day, uh, herding all these sheep. And so he simply said to my dad, just follow me. And my dad said, okay. So uh, the cowboy and his horse start walking through those sheep. And my dad puts his bumper right on the back end of that horse. And I can remember as a kid thinking, that's way too close. Like this horse is going to get spooked. It's going to kick us. Like we're going to get trampled by sheep. I don't know, but this is not going to turn out good. But the cowboy and the horse knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, and on some level, so did my dad. He trusted that this cowboy, this shepherd was going to guide us on a path that looked completely blocked. And so my dad put the bumper of his pickup right on the back end of that horse and slowly but surely, probably no more than three, four miles per hour, um, we moved through that entire flock of sheep. 
And slowly but surely they moved around us and they followed that cowboy's horse and then around our pickup and then they enclosed themselves behind us. And so at some point, uh, you can just imagine two little boys in a pickup truck. Uh, we were just, just um, um, screeching with excitement because you look out all the windows and all you can see are sheep in front and behind. It just looked like a sea of sheep, no path at all. Some of the pictures you'll see on your screen uh, maybe give you a little sense of that. I think these ones are actually taken from Durango, Colorado on a, on a, um, during a festival. But we were amazed because when we came up there, we thought there's no way. We're like, we're going to be sitting here for hours until these sheep clear out. But the cowboy, the shepherd, came to our window and simply said, follow me. And we could not see that the path was clear until we were willing to follow him and trust him. But then all of a sudden... We were through. All that was left were the sheep behind us and we were off on our way. I think it's a pretty good illustration for what we're talking about today because Jesus comes and, and calls disciples, followers of him, but he does the same for you and I. And I think at times um, our initial view of what that means and the path that's before us looks incredibly clogged as if there's no path through. And yet Jesus comes to uh, these disciples and he comes to you and I and he simply says, follow me because the path is clear. So that's gonna be our theme this morning as we walk through our text. Uh, now our text today is, is taken from John chapter one, and it's, it's very early in Jesus' ministry. So we've gotta understand, I think, the, the historical setting, the ministry setting into which this text is taking place. Um, it's early in Jesus' ministry. In fact, last week we just heard about Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. So uh, this is the start of Jesus' public ministry. Um, and, and so he is revealing himself in a more public way to those that were in Galilee, in Jerusalem, and in the area. And secondarily, he was at the very beginning of, of calling disciples or followers of him. So that was pretty common uh, during, during those times in, in, in Israel uh, that a rabbi, which is the word for teacher, would call followers of his. And, and so you would connect yourself to a rabbi and you would learn from him and you would follow him um, and, and you would... You would um, um, kind of glean all of his knowledge. And so you were a student of a particular rabbi. Well, that's what Jesus was doing, um, picking his early disciples. But what's really remarkable is, is um, that starting last week and then today, and we're going to see in the future, um, those that Jesus chooses to be his followers were not the traditional people. Um, and, and we're going to see this throughout the Bible that that God comes and the Holy Spirit works faith in people's hearts, but not always from the places that we expect it, sometimes in the least expected places. So Jesus comes and he calls fishermen and tax collectors and people and men that were on the outside looking in to be his followers, to be his apostles, and ultimately to take his message of forgiveness into the entire uh, known world. And so today we see that right from the very beginning. This was going to be a ministry that was different than most rabbis that, and different than most of those that were in Jerusalem would have dictated. Jesus' ministry, his life, and even us as his followers um, are guided and led by Christ, not by the culture around us, not by the edicts of those that are in power, um, but rather by Christ alone. And so you see that um, right now very early in our text. So Let's jump into it. We want to look at uh, the reaction from Philip and Nathaniel uh, to Jesus calling them. And what's really fascinating about this early section is, is that um, that call to follow him took slightly different paths in each of these men. So let me begin by reading verses 43 through 46. 
It says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And so it's, a, it's interesting because Philip and Nathanael's reactions to Jesus are uh, a slightly different. So um, their paths toward being a follower of Christ and a disciple of Christ took slightly different um, time periods and slightly different angles, and yet they all end up uh, being a follower of Christ. And that's probably a good lesson for you and I as well. When we talk about, uh, if we call ourselves a Christian, we are, are confessing that we are a follower, a disciple of a man named Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Um, but each of our paths, each of your paths, are slightly different than the person around you. Um, and we see that, uh, interestingly enough, in our text here today. So the first is he comes to Philip and he just says, follow me. And what's fascinating, what does Philip do? Well, he follows him, but, but Philip also does his homework, right? Um, he, I don't know if you want to call it that, but uh, he kind, kind of does a credit check or a background check on who this Jesus of Nazareth is. So he calls Philip and Philip comes back to Nathaniel and he says, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about, and about whom the prophets also wrote. His name is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So what did Philip do? Uh, he went to scripture. He went to God's word. He went to what he knew was, was real and was true. And so he searched the Old Testament and he said, sure enough, this is the promised Messiah. Uh, when it says the law and the prophets, that's, that's just a way of saying the Old Testament. So the scripture that they had. And so Philip, when Jesus says, follow me, says, okay, let's see if this man is a follower of God. Uh, let's look at the evidence and does it point to Jesus of Nazareth for Philip? It absolutely did. It does for us as well. If we look through the Old Testament scriptures, um, prophecy after prophecy of, of a Messiah that would come, that would be born where uh, in a specific place in Bethlehem and under what circumstances and what his ministry would look like, um, hundreds of, pro of prophecies and, uh, about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. So Philip looks at the evidence from scripture and Jesus met every last criteria. And so that's the first for Philip. Jesus says, follow me. Um, and that's kind of an interesting take that we're looking at here when we talk about Philip and Nathaniel. Uh, they, they knew of Jesus already. And so you talk about um, Jesus had started his ministry and, and many of these disciples had been disciples of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had pointed them to Jesus. And so many of these men knew who Jesus was but at this point, they, they would not have yet, up until our text today, maybe have called themselves followers of Jesus. And I think that's an interesting thing for us to consider. See, Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. So he doesn't want fans. He wants followers. And let me explain that a little bit. Um, he doesn't want fans uh, in the sense of just people that are hanging around him, that are waiting to watch for another miracle. Um, and and at, at some point, we would maybe say Philip and Nathaniel were, were merely fans of Jesus. They knew of him. They knew of, of, of his ministry. They knew of maybe uh, some of the things that he had done. But they weren't yet followers until our text here today. And I think that's good for us to remember, too. Um, we, 
at times, I think sometimes flippantly, our world at times sometimes flippantly um, puts that label out there, or we put that on ourselves, call ourselves Christians, and yet um, are we following Christ and his word and what comes from that word? And that's a really important question for us to ask as believers. Uh, if you're watching this video this weekend, then presumably you know who Jesus is and, and you would call yourself a Christian. Maybe you're still searching. Maybe you're early in your search as to what um, and who this Jesus of Nazareth is. But we got to remember, Jesus doesn't ask us just to hang around him and and think that he's kind of a great guy and has done some wonderful things. Ultimately, Jesus calls us to a life of discipleships, discipleship. He calls us to follow him. And what that means is looking at the pages of scripture and listening. So first thing is, is that Philip kind of checks the sources, ultimately follows Jesus. But then it comes to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's a little more hesitant. Uh, in fact, he kind of zeroes in on, not on, oh, the Old Testament scriptures predicted that Jesus was coming, but he zeroes in on the location from which Jesus was coming, a place called Nazareth. And so Nathaniel simply says, which has become somewhat famous, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And he was reflecting the culture and the world around him at that time. And on some level, he was simply expressing the reputation that the town of Nazareth had. It was not Jerusalem. It was not the headquarters of all religious thought. Um, it was not a, a town that was held in high esteem. This was not a major trading port. This was not something that was in the heart of Israel. Nazareth was a backwater town and had a very poor reputation. And so Nathaniel simply asks, can anything good come out of there? It's, it's insignificant. The town is insignificant. And I, I doubt, and Nathaniel may have, this may have gone through his mind, um, but Nathaniel is thinking, if God's going to send a Messiah, he's not going to have him show up in Nazareth. Surely it would be Jerusalem. And so he begins to kind of write off Philip's testimony. But what's re remarkable is, what, how does Philip respond? He says to Nathaniel simply, come and see. So Philip doesn't, doesn't try to convince him that good things can come from Nazareth. He doesn't try to defend the reputation of the city of Nazareth. All he says is, come and see. Because Philip knew that when Nathanael met the Christ, when Nathanael met Jesus, his life would never be the same. Slightly different paths for Andrew and for, or for Philip rather, and Nathanael in our text here today. One maybe looks some, a little more swift. One was maybe a little bit more hesitant, but ultimately both of them are being called to follow Jesus. They're called, being called to be disciples of Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, what does that mean for us? Well, it, it means that we've been called for something greater than just a, a surface understanding of who Jesus is as a, as a historical figure. figure. Jesus ultimately is calling us into his own heart and into his own ministry and into his own mission, which was nothing short of washing away sins for all mankind. So that's what Philip and Nathaniel were being called to. They were being called to be disciples. But that sometimes I think is a little bit of a hard concept for us. In fact, I am kind of throwing you into it at the beginning of our sermon here when we talk about discipleship and following Jesus. And you might be pushing back saying, hey, wait, 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 Pastor. I, I'm not sure that I'm there quite yet. And that's all right. 
But let there be no, no doubt that that's ultimately where Christ calls us to, is to be his followers. And there's sometimes some hesitation in that. In fact, we use that word, be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and in that word disciple uh, uh, is the word discipline, isn't it? And now we're maybe really pushing back uh, because we have an aversion to that, don't we? To being discipled. We have an aversion towards discipline. And I don't care if you're a kid or if you're an adult. We, we kind of push back against anyone that would dare say that what we're, we are doing is not right or appropriate, right? But in that word disciple is it that concept of discipline. And the truth is we find that on the pages of Scripture too, don't we? See, Jesus is calling us to something more. He's calling us to something different, something more and different than what the world around us at times will put in front of us. And I think that's what we have to grasp right off the start. Um, we are being called to follow Christ, but the reality of it is we already follow. You follow something, right? Every single person on this earth is a disciple of something or someone. Every single one of us follows something or someone. The only question we get to ask is, who is it? And, and what has that thing or that, that person done on our behalf? That's the real question. Not whether we follow. Everyone follows. Everyone is a disciple of something, right? Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a relationship, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, right? Maybe it's the success of your kids. Maybe it's how much money you have in the bank. Maybe it's your political um, persuasion. Um, maybe it's... Uh, it's a hobby, it's a sport, it's, it's, maybe it's the natural world around us. Like uh, we, we have endless things that we become disciples of, right? Think through your past week. Where did you put your time? Now, I didn't say money, I said time, because time for us as Americans is probably the most valuable thing we have. But think through your past week. Where did you spend your time? And you start to get insight into what you are a disciple of. Right? Because where we spend our time is where we place our value and our importance. Right? And so all that Jesus is asking us is to be honest with ourselves and with the world around us. If we call ourselves Christians, presumably followers of Christ, if we call ourselves his disciples, then we need to be discipled by him and by his word and the pages of scripture that, that formulate and reveal and open up the heart of our God above and Jesus and his salvation. And so that's what he called Philip and Nathaniel to do, to simply follow him right, and all that he would do. And he asked the same for us. Now, is that always going to be easy? Absolutely not, right? Sometimes that'll be difficult, right? As a believer, as a disciple of Christ, it is not always going to be easy. In fact, there will be times and there are, are times when, when our desires and our wishes and our wants come into direct conflict with what God says is right and best for us on the pages of Scripture. There are going to be times when our desires, our wants, and our wishes come into direct conflict uh, with the world around us, right, and culture in which we live. In fact, if, if the Word and the Christ that we follow it doesn't bring us into conflict with our own desires and with the culture around us at times. We have to probably ask ourselves, are we really reading the full spectrum of Christ and his word? Because that's exactly what it will do at times. Christianity and God's word and Christ himself clashes with culture, 
the world around us and our own desires in different ways at different times, but always have, has, and always will. So the question isn't whether we struggle with certain aspects of Scripture, right? What we have to ask ourselves is, does Christ and in turn Scripture, are they, are they guiding us? Do they have our best interest at heart? That's a great question to ask if you ask about what you follow or what you are a disciple of. And the truth is, all of those things that we may be tempted to follow, your career, uh, a relationship, success of your kids, your finances, a job, your hobbies, um, um, travel, all of these things, uh, none of them will love you like Christ does. None of them will sacrifice themselves for you. See, they will just take your career, even our best relationships, our kids, all of these things will let us down and, and, and will continually take. But only Christ gives. And that's kind of where we make our turn then as Jesus approaches Nathaniel. See, Nathaniel's path was a little bit more difficult. It was taking a little bit longer. But ultimately, Jesus then reveals himself in the heart of who he is and who you are being asked to follow. And it's nothing short of the Son of God. So let me continue on in verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. It's a fascinating little uh, um, interaction between Jesus and Nathanael. We don't know what Nathanael was doing underneath that fig tree. Um, quite often it was customary for Israelites to go and, and engage in prayer and meditation um, in a peaceful place by themselves. So we don't know um, exactly what was happening under that fig tree, but we know that that short comment from Jesus revealed that Jesus knew the heart of Nathanael and exactly what was going on. And if we want to understand just how significant that small comment was, we look at Nathanael's response to it, where he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. See, here's what Nathanael had come and seen. Not just a teacher, not just a wise prophet, not just somebody that has changed our world around us, but he came and saw the Son of God, Jesus, true God and true man. And brothers and sisters, that is the same God that you and I have been called to. A God that, that looked at our broken, fractured world, that looked at the pain that we're in, the loneliness, um, the, the discomfort, the suffering that we, are, we have in the midst of a pandemic and in our individual lives. God looked at all of that brokenness and all the times that we have, we have rebelled against him and kicked him out of our lives and all of that mess. And God said, I'm going to enter it. I'm going to write myself into their history in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when Christ calls us to follow him, he's not calling us to anything more than what he has already done on our behalf. He has entered our world. He suffered just like we have. He died on the cross. He laid down his life sacrificially for you and I and rose again. And so when Christ calls us to follow him, it's not just to be fans of Jesus. It's to be followers of him. But he has walked that path before us. 
He has walked that path through death and to eternal life. He is the Son of God. And because of Christ, no matter how difficult this world may be, no matter how much at times we struggle with the pages of Scripture and what God has and, and wants for us, no matter how difficult life can be, let this never be in doubt that you have a Savior who died on the cross to walk with you not only through the struggles of this life, but most importantly, into eternal glories and heaven. So we don't fear death because we have a Savior who walked through death and to life. That's the Savior that we are asked to follow. That's the Savior that walks at our side, even when times uh, are difficult and when we struggle. Uh, there's a story that I once heard, and maybe you've heard this one before, of a man that was trying to cross uh, a river and it was, it was frozen, um, but as you know, rivers continue to have the water flowing underneath them. And so he figured that he was gonna be able to get across it because it was pretty frozen, but uh, he wasn't quite sure. And so, but he needed to get across. Um, he had loved ones on the other side. This was, there was no way around this. There was no bridge. So he decided um, he was gonna slowly try to make, him, make his way across that river. And so he did what maybe you and I would do uh, when we see ice that we're not quite sure about. Uh, he laid himself flat and, and, and he tried to distribute his weight and he slowly cre started creeping across that river and, and, and uh, did it oh so slowly. And, and, but he could hear that water rushing underneath him. He could hear the movement. In fact, at times he could see it through the ice that that river was still raging underneath him. And he knew that if he fell in, there was no way he was ever going to be able to get out. And so he kept creeping across and he would hear that ice cracking and creaking and felt some of the movement of it, and he was just scared to death. He couldn't make it more than a foot or two feet at a time. He was just moving so slowly. And then all of a sudden, he heard a whistling. It was someone just whistling a kind of a, a merry tune. And, and he slowly kind of turned his head, and he saw someone coming down. Uh, he saw a man coming uh, behind four horses and a sleigh, and he was driving those horses, and he was just whistling away as if nothing was, was ever going to happen, uh, no care in the world. And that, those horses and that sleigh came down to the edge of that frozen river and shot straight across. The man never stopped whistling, never even saw the man laying on the ice, and, and went right on their way on the other side. Well, the man that was sprawled out in the middle of the frozen river felt just a little bit sheepish. You want to know what he did? He stood up and he walked across. <laughs> the moral of the story is, he who knows the way can trust his weight. So he who knows the way can trust his weight. See, he had seen the horse and sleigh go flying across. And it was in that moment that he knew that it would take his weight, which was far less than the horse and the sleigh, right? Brothers and sisters, we know the very same. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Christ is about. He calls us to follow him, but not on a path that he has not himself walked before us. We can know it will take our weight because Christ has crossed before us and walks at our side. Christ is calling us not to be fans, but to be followers, to be disciples of him, to follow in his footsteps, which lead ultimately all the way to eternity. Amen. This time we continue with our offering. And as always, we thank you in advance for your generosity in supporting our ministry. Uh, most of our members give online, which you're able to do at our website, carbonchurch.com. Uh, you're also welcome to send your offerings directly to us on the address that you'll see on your screen. 
This weekend, we have a couple prayers that we want to remember, uh, situations that we want to remember in our prayers. Uh, the first is we pray for a peaceful inauguration coming up this week uh, and that the Lord's peace remains on us as a nation um, and, and that there's no more, no more riots. Uh, the second thing is, um, is that we have a prayer for um, the ongoing rollout of the virus and uh, not the virus, ongoing rollout of the vaccine to combat the virus. So we ask that the Lord uh, continues to, to um, preserve life and ultimately get us back to normal. Uh, and then last but not least, we have a prayer for uh, mental health. Uh, I think lots and lots of people are struggling during this pandemic um, with isolation, with loneliness. So we're going to ask that the Lord is with anyone who may be struggling uh, on this weekend. So let's go to our Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, this weekend we come to you on behalf of our nation. We thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us. We thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. Most importantly, the freedom we have to worship you uh, in peace and in security. Now we ask that you be with us as a nation uh, during this inauguration in the coming week. We ask that you be with our new president, with President Biden. Um, be with him and allow him to, to govern diligently with wisdom um, and, and keep peace and prosperity within our nation. Uh, and Lord, we ask that you be with all of our elected officials. Uh, we ask that they use their positions for the good of us and, and our people in our nation. Uh, so we simply ask that you continue to bless us. Lord, we also ask that you be with all of those who may be suffering under the ongoing virus um, during this pandemic. Um, spare life if it is your will and allow those who may contract it to heal up. Uh, we also ask that uh, the vaccine that is, that is being um, rolled out may in some part halt the spread of this virus. Uh, we simply ask that you, you be with us during this time. And last but not least, we ask that you be with all those who may be suffering from um, mental, mental struggle and, and isolation and loneliness during this pandemic. Um, we see it all around us and we feel it in ourselves. I think this has been a tougher year than most. And so we ask that you be with those. I ask that you be with those who may be struggling, who may be isolated and lonely. Give us opportunities to reach out, to wrap our arms around them um, and to remind them that they are not alone and that there is community um, and, and to work hard at making sure that we each know that. Lord, now hear us as we bring you our private prayers and petitions. Now we pray the prayer which our Lord himself taught us to pray. You're welcome to join along with me at home as we speak the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this wonderful weekend. See you next week.